Ooh, that was a good one. All right, so tonight we're here with uh, our classic Jim Hazley and Henry. Henry and Al. And we all four went on the. We just finished up. Was, it was last weekend, wasn't it? It was, man. Just finished up yeah. our Swanee River paddle. So, Henry, uh, what brought you to the paddle? Come on, man. You got I did it uh, last year with Jim. And uh, he and I did a tandem on a kayak. <laughs> and uh, pretty entertaining in itself. And. Were you still talking about canoe trip with this whole yeah. tandem thing? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say you guys did a tandem on a... <laughs> yeah. If, if uh, he had asked me four months after that to go again, I would have probably said no. <laughs> so I ended up uh, calling him, I don't know, six weeks ago. I said, hey, what about the Swanee River trip? <laughs> Funny you're asking that. Putting one together. Mm-hmm. And uh, packed up and went. So we shouldn't just call it the paddle trip. That was the third annual Swanee River fishing expedition. Yeah, Henry tore the fish up too, and he wasn't playing around. I did pretty good. I'm yeah. kind of bummed we didn't get like we didn't do any t-shirts. That would have been cool. Next year, man. Yeah, well, you got to have enough guys to go. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't. Al say a week beforehand. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what brought you to the trip, Al? Well, you know, so uh, I'm uh, like you guys, a member of BHA. And um, so Jim had posted, I think it was Jim, he posted that the uh, trip was happening weeks, probably even months in advance. And, uh, you know, uh, in my nature, I probably responded pretty late. But uh, anyways, I did. And uh, that's where I saw it. And... uh, and that's what brought me to it. I was excited about about the idea of it. Um, never done anything like that before. Well, I'd been canoeing, but not, you know, a canoeing, camping, fishing trip that spanned over a couple of days. So uh, it was good. That's how I heard about it. Well, you and I met at the um, Gobblers for Garbage cleanup. We've talked quite a bit about that on the podcast, too. And I think before that, you were going to come to a small game hunt, but... To, to BHA and, and I guess the pursuit of wild game, that's all something's kind of new to you. But right. I noticed that when you do show up, man, you always show up for the hard stuff. Yeah. It's just you and Deer, right, to, right right there, man, right in the heart if you're showing up yeah. for that. But you're, you you're a Marine? It. Right, yeah. So I was in the Marine Corps six years um, in the 90s, you know. Um, God, that was, my age. that was a long time ago. I yeah, know. but you still, you still look, you could jump right back in. You wouldn't have very far to go, man, right through boot camp and you're ready to go again. Yeah. You're yeah. in good well, shape. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm in good shape, but, uh, I, you know, try to just get out there and do some exercise once in a while. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been involved, uh, as far as outdoors goes. I mean, I love fishing, grew up fishing, um, camping, hiking, um, I don't have any experience hunting. I talked talk to you guys about that, but uh, I'm looking Fix forward that. to try to do yeah. that. Yeah, that'll be the next step. We're going to change that. Yeah. but um, And actually, you know, going back to what you were asking um, on how I kind of got into the canoe trip. Also, while we were at that Garbage and Gobblers event, I did talk to Gene Weldon. <clears throat> and Gene was really getting in my ear about that canoe trip as well. So he, But he was – he really – fantasized it for me and i was like wow that sounds great yeah that sounds like something i want to do 
Yeah, when you bring everything that Gene brings, yeah. it sounds great. <laughs> it sounds awesome. So Gene's been on a couple of podcasts. He's a 67-year-old. Um, when the R3 got recruit, uh, retain, retain, and reactivate, Gene, Gene is reactivated reactivated like a like a man possessed and uh <laughs> i think you guys also agree that he's probably one of the kindest and most generous people that you'll ever meet yeah and uh he is man he he yeah he very absolutely. much loves doing this now that he's because he he traveled a ton and he worked like a dog for decades and now he's playing and he he's getting back to what he used to do before all the responsibilities of family and work came along and it's it's great to have him but you're right yeah, he he don't travel light. It's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I really got a lot of good ideas from Gene and his setup. I mean, he did. You know, he does. He's he brings the gear, but I mean, he he wasn't lacking. That was for sure. Yeah. He was he, he was comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Gene was a one on. Was it Friday? Yeah, where everybody's like, man, how much further we have to go? And you're like, Gene already. Gene's been there for like an hour. Like, <laughs> Gene was so far ahead of everybody. He was. He was getting it. He was the scout. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the first day on, uh, for us anyways, it was Friday morning. And uh, at some point, Gene was on the left side of the river. And Mike Goss and I were, we said, hey, let's, let's get on the other side of the river and kind of pass up Gene a little bit because we didn't want to interrupt his fishing. And as we passed him up a little bit, I mean, he was on. He he just took off on his trolling motor, and I think I don't know what happened, but he was he was beelining down the river, and then we just didn't see him anymore. And we were like, "What happened to Gene? <laughs> He's been gone the whole day." And Mike said, "Man, he maybe he had to you know take a serious dump, and he just hightailed it to the camp." I think Gene likes to fish the fresh water, you know, before anybody but goes yeah, past yeah. him. Snatch him up first. But keep in mind, man, um, Gene was on the fifty mile. By the time you guys showed up, man, that was his third night. And oh. we spent Tuesday night out there. So really that was his fourth night. Yeah. You know, camping out. And uh he's sixty seven years old, man. He's I'd a trooper. He still had plenty of stuff left over, but <laughs> he'd still be out there if, if we would stay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Unpacking, packing. Unpacking. Yeah. Packing. <laughs> he has it down. That's why he's gotta get there early, take some that's, extra. That's, half that's what he pack. told me. He said I had to get here early. You see how much stuff I have? You get my living room set up, and then my bedroom and yeah. kitchen. So, Henry, how far back you and I go? Twenty, twenty-five years, maybe you think? No, two thousand two. It's nineteen years. Yeah, yeah. Pre before I had kids. Before um, any of us had kids. So what's the story? Kyle? Um, no, two thousand one. I had kids. I had Zachary. Yeah, it was it yeah. was uh, two thousand two. I would say. Yeah. But um, you're you're an avid paddler. You're constantly on the water. Well, yeah, it's fishing. a it's a way to get out when you are asked, "What are we gonna do today? Can we do something, <laughs> yeah. please?" So, the so whole, yeah, we the whole family have. Uh, well, I'm kind of changing my fleet. Um, I had the sit-in kayaks, but the kids are getting too long, and so I purchased this big honking stand-up paddleboard from my neighbor. It's like 12, 6, 36, and 6 inches. I mean, you can put three kids on it, you know, with lawn chairs, and that thing is... It's my kind of paddleboard. No yeah. joke, man. Trolling motor. No falling off. No, it is. And you can barbecue on that thing. So <laughs> I, uh, so once I sold the tan, I mean, I, I've just kind of switched everything around. 
to get the better chairs for the kayak because that was the complaint last year was just sitting directly on the plastic the plastic was well i'll tell tough. you uh, um henry came pretty geared up too that that uh, kayak was pretty full yeah it was mostly just the sleeping bag and <laughs> the pad <laughs> and beer. I Maybe a little it. bit yeah. of beer, just yeah, a little it bit. Got, it got lighter as I went. Yeah. I know when, when Henry called me, because Henry gave me a ride up there, he's like, man, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get a big enough cooler to fit all my beer for the weekend. You know, these other guys have you know brown bottles. I just can't do that. You know, I, I as I got back, I was telling you guys before we started that I, I created this list for the trip of things that I had you know, as, as they came into my mind, Hey, this is, I got to take this stuff. And, um, then when we got back from the trip on, uh, Monday after on Monday, I, I hit the list back up and I said, Hey, these are some things, you know, lessons learned and what I want to add to it for the following year or whatever. And, um, one of those items were, uh, was beer. And I thought, man, I didn't have enough beer. I need, I need at least 50, <laughs> 15 beers a day you know yeah. holy <laughs> there's, there's beer so stay there's hydrated beer. boys there's beers for the canoe trip as you're canoeing then you need to have some beers for when you're done for the evening and you're just kind of hanging out yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've done that was my seventh trip down the swanee and i've covered that part of the river a couple times and stayed at the um the dowling river camp dowling park i think it was the name dowling of it. park dowling park never knew that right across the river there was a jiffy store but that yeah. would have made life easier a whole lot of times, just other things. I'll tell you that I would uh, be willing to set up the outfitter to meet us at mile marker XYZ and drop off the bags of ice and the cases of beer. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the way to do you it. M- you might be able to work that with the outfitter uh, ahead of time. Say, hey, when... They'll do a lot for you probably bucks, can. Right? Yeah, you probably I mean, can. Dowling Park, you can just keep stopping there. And... Well, if we do next year, we'll probably cover... Probably start where we started... On the three day, but do a five day, and uh, cover more of the springs. Yeah. And if you get down a little further south, um, it lays out to look like a little bit more what you'd think of as traditional bass habitat. And uh, Gene Gene caught a bunch down there. And then, so the bluegill fishing because we crushed the bluegill when we were up oh, around the boulders, gosh. just slammed them. I mean, how many did we catch that one day? That we brought back to camp like thirty. We had caught more bluegill than nine guys could eat or eight guys could eat. Yeah. It's insane. But um, when you get so you end up with more bass, not as many bluegill. Um, but then you hit all those you know, Royal Spring, Troy Spring, Ishnatuckney Spring. Then um, there's a whole bunch of bathtub spring that we don't people aren't as aware of that are absolutely gorgeous. They're just tucked right into the river. And they're great places, especially if maybe we go a couple weeks later so it's hotter. Um, you mean that's possible? Oh, that was yeah. nothing, man. <laughs> I you don't know. G- well, the sturgeon. <laughs> you go a little later, and, and we saw a couple sturgeon. Uh, a couple? I'm telling you, yeah. that was nothing, dude. When, the, when, you, when you're out there first or second week of June, you almost got to avoid them. Uh, in fact, FWC's running PSAs right now warning people, like, hey, when you come out for Memorial Day work weekend, watch out. Because you catch a four-foot sturgeon in the head, you know, you're going to wind up on a helicopter ride. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but if we do that, being able to stop at some of those springs um, kind of changes the whole trip. You're in and out of the boat. You're wet all day, but it's not an unpleasant wet. Um, I think that would change it up a little bit. And then the upper river is it's narrower. Um, some places the fishing's great. Some places it's not so great. Um, but it's... 
I don't want to say it's more scenic, but it's definitely different scenic. Mm. A lot more rocky. Um, I told people, man, I said, listen, I've fished and I've been to the Great Lakes and a lot of different water uh, bodies in between. I said, I have, it was the largest freshwater fish I have ever seen. And when you're, there was many times there was nobody behind or in front of me. And so it was in the morning. I'm just looking straight ahead. Damn thing breached. And you're going, holy smokes. That looks like fun. If I could get yeah. that. Why can't, why would, why didn't we fish for those? Some of those brim, they would have surely eaten. I don't think that's what they feed on. Um, but they're also protected. So, yeah. And you, by no means my sturgeon expert, but they used to be a lot more common. But what we've done is we've dammed up all the rivers. So do you remember how you'd be cruising along and you, you could see the, the limestone bedding planes, the ledges that would come out? Yeah. Well, what the sturgeon do is they go up underneath there and lay their eggs. And there's a couple theories as to why they breach that way. Uh, and of course, it could be to remove parasites. or might, But one of the things they think is that's how the sturgeon locate each other. So but they're in the river to mate. I read a thing on at the boat ramp that we stopped at. Mm-hmm that said they think that the sturgeon may jump like that to refill their air bladder. Yep. Right. So, but going back to the damming up the river, it does two things, right? It slows down the river, it changes the river, mm-hmm. but all, it also makes them deeper and muddies up all of that. Because the river is moving pretty good, right? Three, four miles an hour. Yep. So there's the wind. Two. Yeah, it was like you could see, you could see three, yeah. You could see three feet. <laughs> three, four feet down in a lot of places. You dam up a river and it just changes it so the sturgeon don't go there anymore. So they're they're in other rivers up in Alabama and things like that, but nothing like the numbers they were. And that's what makes the Swanee so special is it's one of the last still truly wild rivers from start to finish. Um, no dams, no water redirection. That's in the south, man. It's, I don't like you got too much on it, but it's either the Swanee River or nothing for a long way yeah. if you want to do that experience. I, I wish you guys could see this. There's a tear coming down Jim's. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he talks about this. But you know yeah. what? On on As far as uh, you were saying, catching them, uh, at that same uh, boat ramp, Sign. they had signs, information about the sturgeon. I think they were saying that the food that they eat are like these small organisms, yeah. I, you know, um, so probably be hard to... I'm not sure if they go after. So you're saying fish we need a small, like we need a pretty small hook. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Fish on there. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, going down that river, I mean, I thought that it would probably be a rare thing to kind of see the sturgeon, and they were they were out there, they were jumping, and I mean, you just you'd be fishing, and then all of a sudden you hear just this big whap, and they're just jumping up in the air and dropping back in the water, and it was I mean it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Which maybe was kind of crazy. Like, you always know that water just has this power like nothing else, right? And then you get to canoeing down the river, and you don't. It just really hits you how much power water has when you look at these rocks that it's just kind of like slowly carved away. Yeah. And all these, it was insane. Just to me to be able to go down the river and get that like close up look at what the flow of the water itself has done to the riverbanks. Yeah, the trees that you could tell that when they were seedlings, they were, and they grew in a riverbank, but they were in sand. 
And now the tree trunk is standing entirely on its root system. Well, that's also the flood takes out all that. So, you know, yeah. So they have those big, large flood events. So it wipes all that stuff and all you see left are the roots. Yep. But the, you can definitely see the rivers changing. You can see, unless it hits a really large, really hard limestone ledge, you can, you can tell that probably when you and I were little kids, the, um, bank to your right or your left was probably six feet yeah. to the right and that the bank yeah. <laughs> the bank to the right is is, is moving over right it's yeah. <laughs> everything's can, getting redeposited you can almost sand. tell that the bank changes yearly due to people's docks oh yeah <laughs> or like you, bush hooks that were hung 12 feet in the air yeah with an eight foot rope and the, and the hook was still two feet off the water yeah I think the people would really get knocked out. If you're in a powerboat and you're cruising 25, 30, yeah. and a sturgeon jump, I think that's where you're going to have some problems. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've had, I, them, I've had them hit my canoe, just not land in it. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that'd be worst-case scenario. But from a moving part on a kayak, I think you'd, or a canoe, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. As long as you're not landing your, in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised, I think. It said those things can get like eight, nine feet long and like 200 some pounds or something. I mean, yeah. they're, they're massive for freshwater they're big. fish. It's crazy how they literally levitate too. Like they come out of the water and somehow they just stay in the air for an extended period of time. If you go, we didn't get down there, but if we go next year and we do the section of river, we'll get down to the, what's called the Adams Tract. And they've, it's got a pretty wide, the river's wide. And it's got a really nice uh, um, dock on it. And you can sit out there, and every time I've been down there, there's all kinds of sturgeon just breaching. And you can, and they breach frequently enough, and they hang in the air long enough that you can stand there with your camera, and you can catch them. Yeah. And actually then slow it down and take stills and really see the, see the fish itself for, for all, it's, all it's worth. It's pretty cool. But. I think it's technically the gulf sturgeon. Yep. Yeah. Man, gosh, I, I, I just can't get over. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, when I, you were like, let's go on this trip. I'm like, it's gonna be fun, you know. But the the way that Florida changes from from area to area, you know, like you, we got here, we got the scrub, we got pines, and you go up there, and it's just, I don't want to say the Wild West, but. And it yeah. just seems like it's so much more wild up there. Yeah, and that's the nice thing. The river gives that illusion, um, although there is development on it, that unless you get out your cell phone and pan out, you would you would think that you're hundreds of miles away from anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that makes a river special. Yeah. What did you guys think about the camping experience, though? What did you think about the, it was the river camp? The, the screened-in places, man, those were awesome. I did not expect it. To get cold as shit at night. Oh, I could have told you that. I'm like, the first night I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me to bring long johns? Yeah. I had an emergency <laughs> had blanket I could have given I you. I was freezing. I had a blanket, but I was... No, t- <laughs> a, a, an emergency blanket. Yeah. So that, The one that fits, like, you know, you buy that's two bucks from... Yeah. The shiny one? Yeah. 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 Last year, I had to wear it. I had it inside my sleeping bag. It was jeez. 
So obviously, I, this year I'm going to upgrade my sleeping, sleeping bag, but it was definitely I, I, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. I uh, so that first place we well on Saturday or Friday night was um, Dowling Park. Yep. And um, these were shelters that were up. I guess I'll say for a lack of a better word, like on stilts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to take a set of stairs to get up there and they're screened in. And when you walk in, um, you know, there's, there's actually electricity in there. There's a ceiling fan, some lights, but you know, it's pretty much just wooden floor and nice screen windows. So you get some fresh air going in there. Um, so it was really nice. Um, but I will say that sleeping in there, if you don't have like a pad or something, you know, you were sleeping on bare wood <laughs> unless you did like you know like some of you guys did have a hammock and uh you know you're doing that did you option. not have a pad i had a pad oh, okay but uh mike didn't have a pad and he said he was hurt and he said he's got <laughs> he said he ended up with bruises on his hips and stuff because yeah even just the little pad i had just is not a, i had enough. a pad and it it, it was yeah it didn't the, the, help yeah my pad works on the ground not on two by fours that's where i was envious of jeans uh inflatable mattress he had. Eight inches thick. Yeah. Baffling. I don't know if you guys paid attention, but if you actually looked between the two by fours that made up the floor, they did it right. They even put screen under that. Yeah. Which we we were blessed, man. There was, I don't know if I saw a mosquito the whole five days I was out there, but you go out a couple weeks later if it rains and there there are bugs, but those screened in, Areas are fantastic because the mesh they put in them is so small it keeps the noceums out. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, turn that fan on. Especially, you know, I've been on it where it's ninety three degrees and maybe gets down to eighty seven and muggy at night. Turn that fan on. You're just laying out on your pad or your sleeping bag, and no bugs, and you conk right out. And yep. it's it's wonderful, glorious, great night's sleep. Yeah, if well, you have a pad. What else was nice on those shelters were each one had like a picnic table and um, a grill in Mm -hmm. front of them. And then we had this nice big kind of pavilion with ceiling fans as well, where we kind of gathered at night and, you know, cooked and, and talked and, you know, listened to music and stuff. So that was nice, you know? So it it was a nice setup there. The best part was the shower. Shower. Yeah. Yeah. Shower was the best part. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got those Insta hot water heaters, so yeah. you know you don't run out. No, man, that's pretty cush. It gives you that backcountry feeling until you don't want to have the backcountry feeling anymore, <laughs> and then it's like being at home. <laughs> I tell you what, the paddle itself, as, as beautiful as it was, I think some of the best times were had underneath that pavilion, or yeah. at the boat ramp when we finished up Saturday. Mm-hmm. Just because, just getting, you know. Being able to like, literally everybody and embraces the suck together, and then you get there at the end of the day and you just kind of get to relax and everybody gets to talking about you know what happened like you know that day with them and then we get to telling stories and jokes and talking about split tail and yeah, yeah you mentioned embracing the suck and I'd posted that thing on Facebook where it was definitely not embracing the suck right we had. Two fellas brought trolling motors, and then we just flotilla <laughs> together. That was like halfway through Saturday, yeah. But that, that's actually part of the experience. I'm surprised we didn't do that earlier. The only thing that made Friday challenging is we 
spent so much time fishing and then it was getting late and it was a 14 and a half mile day and when it was late we still had seven miles to go (laughs) (laughs) and and that's where the river widened out that slowed down and the wind was blowing straight into our face but then we got to camp and it was all better yeah you're right there were some there it was a windy weekend and uh, a lot of times we were paddling and it felt like the wind was just working against us, and we weren't going anywhere. No, no, Al, just Al, Al, the wind was working. It wasn't. It, 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 it didn't was. feel like it. No, yeah, it, it was. was. It was. I tell you what. There was a point where, like, it was right in that bend where the there had that real high sand mound, almost like right before camp. Yep. And I was paddling, and my canoe. I'm literally just fighting my life away to keep it straight, right? And I look up there. And Jim and Steve are in the canoe together, and they're just kind of gingerly paddling. Yeah, you got two, slowly, two genuine yeah. watermen up there, man. Slowly pulling away further and further. And I'm craft. like, I'm like, I got stuck in this son of a gun, all by myself. I was like, what? <laughs> we tried to invite some of the other podcast crew, but nobody else wanted to come. So I'm stuck paddling this turd by myself. You have youth, and we have age and treachery. Yeah, all balanced. <laughs> The springs on Saturday made it worth it, though, man. Oh, my gosh. Like, I think that was one of the things I looked forward to the most was just being able to find these random little springs and yep. go swimming. What was the first spring that we found where you with, with where we had, you know, the spring? It was Clark. two small pools. Clark? Clark Spring. That was beautiful. So that's got a swim through. Um, there's a much larger swim through down at Lafayette. You saw that at the bridge. And then um, if we'd gone a little further down, one of my favorite it's probably my favorite spring on the whole river um it's telford and terrapin and another swim through there but it's uh it's really picturesque yeah um and another place that you used to be able to get to it from the road i guess you can but they've got it all fenced off and 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 posted now back in the day people come down there and get in trouble but now the only way you can access it's through the river so it's it's very rarely ever crowded it's not a time for you to pull in there and be the only one but that's also got that that swim through you know you've got yeah jump in one hole come out another yeah those those springs uh yeah one of the highlights of the trip for sure and i enjoyed getting out stretching my legs swimming in the water beautiful i didn't know that an iphone can go underwater so Jordan decided, hey, I'm going to record myself underwater. Yeah, I kept asking. We didn't have any signal. I'm like, does anybody know if iPhones are waterproof? Everybody's like, I don't know. I'm like, I think they are. And I never could get signal, and I just said, screw it, I'm swimming. We're going to see what happens. I got insurance on it. Yeah, it actually came up pretty solid, too. It was a yeah, crisp it picture. You haven't had any issues with it since? None. Okay. No. They're waterproof. Now, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about if I was the only one, but I still have like pink toenails from the sand slash mush and some of those areas. But I got one. That's the craziest thing. It looks like somebody has painted my toenails, but it was from. So what you you did is uh, that's your sunscreen. Uh, There's a chemical in the sunscreen. Is that that, right? Yeah, it'll. uh, I forget what it's called, but I've experienced. I've never seen it before. I thought yeah. it was for sure because it looks the same color as the bank Yeah, on some of those places where I stepped out. Something had, about that in the tannic acid. I had that too. I, I was spraying my, my legs and feet because they were 
<clears throat> right in the sun and I thought it was the water. I thought, man, look at this. My my feet are like dyed orange. <laughs> I just thought maybe we'd ever turn into flamingos or something. It's kind of going back to fishing, man. Uh, we sl- slayed the panfish. Henry, you caught a bass, right? I did. How'd you, how'd you snag that bass? You said it was a worm. Was it really a worm? or? Uh... It was really a worm. I just, uh, and you know, it's one of those, like, as soon as it hits, like it always does, and then uh, he didn't. I went back to the same hole and uh, brought him in. But question for you. When you caught that bass, was it like, did you throw out near the shore? Or yeah, were you, so it was the same. Some, I did the same, same thing routine. You were doing? Yeah, I think it was the second fish I caught. Which is really, I mean, everybody, if you go fishing, like the worst thing you can do slash best thing is catch a big fish early because you know what's going to come next, right? I'm going to catch more big fish. And so you, it's your motivation. It's, it's important to have that early success and, uh, but no more bass. No more bass, yeah. You got, plenty. A, got on the catfish, though. We um, hooked that yeah, one. You did. You, you guys did. Oh, I never. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things I wish we'd have had more time to sit shoreline and, and fish Just, catfish. Well, I, I, so were the catfish caught uh, fishing, or were they with those lines you guys set out? Because like, I, I, was, I wasn't sure who, who one, caught the catfish. Or... One of each. The uh, first catfish, there was a, you know, we were, anytime there was a down tree, especially if it kind of created a hole, we'd pull in behind on the lee side of that tree. And we'd usually pull a couple of sunfish out of there. Um, ironically, we're kind of taking turns, like who would be positioned to fish the sweet spot. So Steve throws in there, his bobber hits the water, goes down, and he pulls out a bluegill that inch, inch and a half. <laughs> so since he's dinking with that thing, I threw my rod in there and boop. Catfish. Nice. <laughs> and Steve is such a good sport, but you can kind of tell a little bit he's like Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one was on a bush hook uh, yeah. underneath a um, cypress tree. The cypress, man, if you see cypress tree that's right in the water, you know, right on the edge of the water like that, that's a, and they, were, they were good for all kinds of fish, but for bush hooks, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know they'll S- yield. Steve talked to some guy at the ramp, said if we had come like two weeks earlier, that <clears throat> yeah. the catfish were just tearing it up. He said he was catching giants left and right. Yeah, I think the water, that's just the way the name of the game. The water goes. was down a little bit, definitely compared to where it was last year when we went. No doubt. Um, last year we you're fighting the current in the curves and the bends. Mm-hmm. That water gets all aggravated and it's yeah. man, it's demoralizing. Oh, when there. it goes backwards. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, you're, you're like, the, yeah. what are you doing, man? This. This is not downstream. What are we doing here? Yeah. It's counterintuitive. <laughs> what, yeah. You think you think you think that cutting the corner, right? Instead of going around the outside, you think cutting the corner is going to yeah. save you distance, but it doesn't because sometimes you actually it either, it either lays flat and there's no current, and you have to work through it, or you're fighting back eddies as opposed to staying on the outside. And even this trip, you know, if you could read the river a little bit, you could see where the current was flowing faster on one side versus the other in some of those areas. Um, But yeah, it it was, uh, it was definitely down. All right. Let's see it now. Oh, prime. Yeah. So I really, I just fished the top water the whole time. But I actually looked for a lot of those like eddies and stuff kind of along the shore where I was either looking for that or I noticed a lot of the times, not necessarily like the big steep cliffs, 
but with those lime rock came out kind of even with the water and then just dropped off if i could get like in behind one of those and just throw it up in there and pop it i was almost guaranteed to get a hit at least yep usually time. gene gene's been the bass master with that whopper plopper right you throw that thing out the it's got that propeller on the front of it yeah and uh that's the most annoying lure ever produced, which is probably why the bass hit it. I don't know if they think it's a fish or they're just pissed off. Yeah. But I, I, I caught one of those of brim that was literally about the size of the lure I was fishing on. And that thing, as soon as it hit the water, it hit it. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. But you also caught that. You caught that dish plate, man. That, no. ba- that, that, that brim must have been a pound and a half. Uh, that wasn't, I think that was... Gene that had that one real big no. one. I thought it was no. you and no, yeah, that was, I would say it was it was Al and Mike that had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I caught I caught that. That was actually the first fish I caught Friday morning. And I was like, Whoa, if the fishing's gonna be like exactly this, exactly I mean, what we're I just on, said, we're right? Out for a good day, right? Yeah. And then um and then, you know, so I I my experience fishing in, in the rivers is pretty uh slim. I mean I do a lot more freshwater lake fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot a lot out in Polk County and Osceola County. And so I'm used to catching bass, uh, catching speck. And so, you know, I caught that, that bluegill and then we were catching panfish or these sunfish and not knowing really that the sizes we were catching were pretty good for eating after seeing some of the fish you guys caught. And so we'd caught a bu- bunch of them, Mike and I, and, and we were just throwing them back in. We were like, nah, these are, these are small, you know, we'll throw them back in and, and then come to see like the fish you guys are bringing in. We're like, well, hell, we could have we could have kept all those fish yeah. and had more. But uh, sure. Yeah, the really thing is, when when you cook them up like Jim and them did, I, yeah. that, I think that's the best way to do a panfish. Yeah. You just scale it, behead it, gut it, throw the whole thing, fence and all, and then you can, even on the smaller ones, I eat the fins. Fins are like potato chips on yeah. the smaller ones. Yeah. I was going to ask if you'd ever had a panfish prepared that way, where it's just. You scale it, you you cut the head off, you gut it, tear out the collar, and then the rest of it just goes right in the, in the fryer. Yeah, but when yeah. you do that, the, you know you, you pull the meat off the top, pull the meat off the bottom, and you're left with that. Looks like the cartoon fish, just the tail. Yeah. And the, <laughs> it's surprising how on a little three inch bluegill, there's yeah. you think oh, I'm gonna eat a hundred of these. You eat four or five, you're like, geez, I'm full. Yeah. They're all meat. And we used mainly, you know, Jim prior to the, well, you guys went a little few days earlier and we, I think Henry, you, you were like, Hey, how's the fishing? And, and Jim, you suggested bring worms. So we did. And then, so the whole time I just fished worms and I had good luck with that. Um, I know Mike was using some artificial stuff, just trying to throw different things out, some frogs and some worms and stuff. And, and I don't, I, he didn't have any luck with any of that stuff. It just wasn't there this year. Yeah. In the past, it's been there. But with the river as low as it was and all the vegetation six feet over the yeah. water, you know, you could look at it and be like, that does not look very bassy. And that's why we were just like, get worms, man. And that's – did I, you caught one on a lure, right? Uh, <clears throat> uh, the bass was on a worm. Uh, I caught one on a lure, but it was a panfish. Right. I don't know if anybody caught anything on a lure 
other than your panfish. Yeah. And I think that's Just what Gene caught his on. Yeah. I was saying, oh, I did. Okay. I think my problem with my top water is I, I hardly ever fish freshwater. So my tackle box ends up getting salt water in it. And the hooks on my top water were kind of rusty. So I just think they weren't they weren't as sharp as they should have been. But man, I could have I could have been tearing them up on that that top water. But yeah, the other thing I noticed that some locals that were fishing and they had their you know a big part is the distance for the bobber to your hook. Yeah. And those guys had it maybe ten inches. Yep. And they were fishing the banks. Um, cause when I got hung up a couple of times, I mean, I was probably 24 inches, but that hook, you know, dragging and you just, there's debris down there. You can't see, but man, the, the, the drop off from the shore of the river, <laughs> I mean, it's like exponential. It's like, it could go from the shore to like, boom, like three oh, yeah, or four it goes feet. from like six inches to like chest deep. Yeah. Well, I was, I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to touch on that, that. If I were to just bring you out there and say, yeah, fish close to the shoreline, you'd, you'd throw your bobber or your lure or whatever, what, three, four feet away? But in the Swanee River, if you're three, four feet away, you might be in 12 feet of water. Right. Yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. So when I say fish to the shoreline, I mean like lay that bobber up in the mud and just pull it off and watch yeah. it go boom. Because you might be in 10 inches of water, six inches off. Yeah. The shore. If you're near it's, the stone, it's an unusual you, can, way to fish. you can bet that it's deep water if you're near the stone. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like where I like the sand with some debris in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can tell when it's, the, even with the stone, if it's deep or not, because there's some still visible on the shoreline. Yeah. I know there's some place like Saturday and we were, like, you can literally, if you've been fishing long enough, you can kind of spot those areas. Like Saturday and we were just kind of floating along, me and you were casting, you're like, that's a sweet spot. Throw it up there, bloop, bobber down. Yep. Or even as you're going along along the rock faces, you'd see where all of a sudden a piece of limestone would come off and there would be a gap, right, between the wall and the, the limestone. And anytime you saw one of those, it was almost like a guarantee, like, oh, any place the fish could get in out of the current, drop yeah. it in there. And There's those little semicircles pow. that yeah. are all down through there. Where yeah. It's basically what you're saying. It's falling out. You yeah. know, one, one thing um, – as we were floating down the river too, um, we just kind of kept our eye. We were trying to keep our eyes open for like any other wildlife along the shores and stuff. And we didn't really see much. And we saw a lot of birds, a lot, a lot. And, um, I think I saw one squirrel, but I was telling Whoa, Mike, how can we see one? I was saying, man, I could have killed him. a couple of limits. Well, well, we did see some near that boat ramp, but, um, I mean, maybe I was focused on other things, you know, just the water and all that stuff. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, we didn't see much wildlife, but you know, I mean, it's daytime. Banks are so steep. It's that's I mean, the other thing is, I mean, they're so steep that um, it's hard. It'd be hard even for like deer to get down some of these. I mean, from the water to the high point of the land was what I mean. In some cases, thirty feet. Yeah, and pretty steep. We did go by a bedded doe in one of those places where it wasn't quite that sheer, but from top to bottom was probably 30 feet and at about 15 feet there was a plateau just a plateau man like and she was bedded there and gene said that when she when he went by she went up that wall like a mountain goat and we came by you know 40 minutes later (laughs) because she was so far ahead (laughs) and uh she she 
Steve spotted her first, and she sat there, and she looked at us a little twitchy, but she sat right on that plateau the whole time as long as, you know, we may have been a little further away than when Gene went by. But I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah. I'm not going to name spots exactly, but um, with Steve, Christian, and I were on part of that river, the squirrels were so thick that I'll, I'll we're probably going to go back up there during small game season, maybe with a little bit of a motor. That I have no doubt, man. If they're if they're in there, then like they were in there while we were on the river, it's going to be a heck of a day, and we'll probably come home with twenty squirrels and a couple of doves. They were. Yeah. It was a small game hunters. I said, me and, fantasy. No, me and Gene got to talking about it, and like right after we got talking about it, it was just me and him floating over and ever going, look, there's a squirrel. Two minutes later, hey, there's another squirrel. Ten seconds later, hey, look, there's another squirrel. Yeah. Watch, man. This. People are going to listen to this podcast, and the Swanee is going to be overrun with guys small boats whacking. It's on the the uh, the very 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 southwest end of the river, almost to the Gulf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mosquito pond. Yeah, head down that way. It was. You want to go? No. I oh, you need a beer? beer. Yeah, yeah, we can right there, it. man. Yeah. Oh. All right, so Jim, tell us. You plan this trip. Yes, sir. How about, you know, how'd you, how'd you come about deciding to do this? I spent a long time active in the Boy Scouts as an adult leader, and we were looking for an experience to give some of the older scouts um, a little more challenging experience. Talking about young men. They also, they want to go do some high adventure. So we put this trip together. And then ironically, like one scout over 15 went and the first time out, all the rest of them were 11 and 12 years old, 50 miles down the Suwannee. And uh, I still know a lot of those 11 and 12 year old scouts that are all now adults. Some of them are Marines. Some of them, one of them's got um, the goal to be a Navy SEAL. Um, All of whom, to every single one of them, I'm very proud of this, um, is either currently in school, in the military, there's no uh, nobody mailing slackers. In. Yeah, and I you know, I don't think it was just this trip, but experiences like that, and the challenges for a, a young man um, help to shape them. So I did that a couple times in the scouts, and then my kids got older and I moved on from that. But I found that I really looked forward to that trip. So when BHA was just starting to get its footing in the south. I said, man, that'd be a great experience. Uh, I know what to do. Why don't I put it together? And I think the first time we put it together, um, we attracted a guy named Joe Lazenby, who's uh, a fellow that's really interesting. I hope he's listening to this podcast. Um, That's a dude that goes out west for months at a time and drags his own mules and horses. So he was on that trip. Some other guys I knew through scouting were on that trip. Um, A few other guys. That's That's really where I got to know Steve Christian. And really where I got to know Gene Weldon. They were all on that first trip. And so I said, oh, I went well. And then I, I wasn't sure I was going to do it again. But sure enough, I started getting the calls like, where's the Swanee trip? So, all right, we'll put a Swanee trip together. We did a different section of the river. We did the upper section. And uh, sure enough, when we were doing the one of the podcasts this fall, um, Lake Panasofsky, if you remember. I think yeah. it was Lake Panasofsky. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about some of the things, and I said, do you guys want to do that again? And, and 
Steve Christian's like, dude, I'm already packed. <laughs> so that's how this one came about. Steve's um, ready to roll. He loves it. And yeah. I think it's, um, but you can see how guys can get tight on that river. Um, yeah. 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 And, I was talking to uh, Henry and Al a little bit when we first got here, and I was like, you know, there's days, you know, you, you get towards the end of your day, and you're like, this sucks, right? You're like, at least end of Friday, you're like 13 miles into a 14 and a half mile paddle, and you're like, this sucks. And then, you know, you stay, and then you get your second night, and I get back to work on Monday, and I'm like, you miss it. God, I wish I was still on the river. I mean, I honestly, I feel like one of the best parts for me was having almost zero cell phone signal the whole time. Yep. Right. You, you get away of, from it. Yeah. I try to tell people that... It is that, a genuine getaway. Um, you guys all did the three-day. And I, I realize we've all got only a certain number of days we can get away from work. But if ever you have the opportunity to do a five day or longer trip on there. I find that in you know, the first day you, you, you haven't left yet. I mean, you're on the river, but everything that we deal with on a day to day basis is still with us on the second day. It starts to fade on the third. It's like you've been living as an Indian your entire life. Yeah. And then unfortunately on the last day, when you're paddling home, it all starts coming back, yeah. right? And then you get in your car, and by the time you drive from, you know, Aurora Mayo to back into Orlando, it's all with you, right? It's yeah. like you never left, <laughs> which is, <clears throat> I guess, sometimes where you, I, I've been, and I went through it this time, especially when the, the outfitter couldn't pick us up till noon, so we sat there for three or four hours, and, and thankfully we had this great group of guys because it did go, you know, stories and laughter and all that stuff. But all that regular life stuff was starting to creep back in, and I was starting to think, I don't know, man, maybe this will be my last one. And I even told your brother, Will, when I was home, I was like, I don't know, man, I just, I'm just kind of feeling strange. But then I got a good night's sleep, day later, and I'm already ready to go again. We were talking about yeah. it last night. Like, yeah, the next one, the next one. Yeah. So. I know I, to I told old girl Monday, or, uh, yeah, Monday e morning, I was like, I have literally never slept so good in my life. When you got home? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Man, I, I've just never slept that hard. I it had to be right after Henry. Henry dropped me off. I showered, got in bed. Out. <laughs> but you yeah. know what, uh, Jim? I think you're right. Like, maybe what you were feeling on Sunday, um, I think the river trip is always going to be fun and something that you want to do and, and, and all that. But if I think if it shifts, you know, if it's not the same, like, like you were talking about, maybe starting off uh, next year um, at the Suwannee river park and then going further down a little bit to see more Springs and stuff. I think, yeah, just shifting that a little bit from year to year will um, it'll be nice. Cause just people who are either coming on, it's going to be something new for them. And then for the people who have been going, um, we'll see other parts of the river they yeah. haven't seen before yeah. and all that. So, but, you know, I think you can play around with the destinations and all that. But regardless, the the trip's awesome. I mean, if you guys haven't gone on it, I mean, this was my first time. I 
really enjoyed it. I mean, for me, it was super peaceful. Um, you know, I, I fished a lot. And, you know, funny story, my wife, I'll, I'll go fishing. And my wife, when I get home, she'll say, did you catch anything? And I'll say, no, nah, I didn't catch anything. And then I'll go fishing again. And she'll be like, why are you going fishing again? You know, you, you, you didn't catch anything. Like, after like an hour or so, I'd be coming home, you know. And that's, that's the secondary thing for me. The primary thing is being on the water, in nature, the quietness, listening to the birds, looking at the sky. If I don't catch anything, that's, that's, that's okay with me. Um, it's, it takes me away from work and the other things that you have going on in your life. Um, it's relaxing. That, that's, for me, being outdoors, that's the more important part is just relaxing and, and really it, 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 it grounds you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and if you guys could see Al, he My now tear, has a tear out, yeah. coming down yeah. his eye. Oh, God, somebody give me a Kleenex. Holy you know, smokes, man. Outside of just this Swanee River trip, I think one of the greatest things that doing these trips, like, you know, going to Texas with you and then the small game hunts and the Swanee and the people I've met, man, and, and just the the relationship you build with those people, like getting to meet you and Henry and Mike and Tyler and I already knew Gene and Steve and Jim, but it's just great, man, to, to meet all those new people that have that passion, the same passion that I do. Mm-hmm. So mine was a little, not different, but um, I love the anticipation of, you know, I was like you, I had a list and you know, as I would pack the stuff off, I'd mark it off and then I'd start, you know, then I'd start the new list, which was take the stuff that hadn't been packed. And so that was the whole part of, you know, I did probably been two weeks of prep and thinking and, you know, what did I not want to forget, you know? And so and I think each time you do it, you kind of get your, your packing and, you know, what you use, what you didn't. You know, ironically, I had to go to, um, CVS the other day, I think it was yesterday, and they had a uh, w- one of the things was like the salt and pepper shakers yeah. and the Mrs. Dash. And I, I, the, the, those, those seasoning things were they, they had a big spot, you know, that they, yeah. But at CVS, they had this little, uh, I think it was Walgreens, whatever, but this little bunch of uh, small plastic, you know, containers that you could put salt and, you know, the stuff in. I bought it. I'm already, I'm already prepping for <laughs> already the next planning one. For next year. I'm doing 50 miles next year. Nice. 100%. 30 miles, not enough for me. <clears throat> you know, when you really get into it, you figure out that even the salt and pepper shakers, that's too much space. You, you, you make sure you stop a Chick-fil-A on the way up. You grab the hot sauce. You grab the Chick-fil-A mayonnaise. Sauce. And you grab the salt and pepper stuff, and it just goes in a little baggie. That's all you need, man. I had the, I had the mayonnaise. I even found... Uh, Throughout my travels, um, you know, a, a hot sauce, uh, small Tabasco, and but these are small. I mean, these are like you could put six quarters in them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that size. Yeah, yeah. I think I think when you're preparing for like a trip like this, you get and then looking at how everyone else packed and stuff, I get torn between like, man, I want to do that and I want to do yeah. this. Because I mean, I looked at like for instance Jordan, you came pretty 
I pretty mean, light. Pretty light, and I was like, I like that, man. That was, you know, he, he didn't bring a whole lot of stuff, and he, he was fine. Steve, too. Steve kind of came a little bit, you know, light. And then, you know, so it, it, it's, a, it's a struggle trying to figure out what you really want to bring on the trip. And, and I think you learn yeah. when you go on one of these things what you want and what you think you can get rid of, you know. Yeah. And uh, I got I, way too much water. <laughs> Dude, you guys brought pork chops and sausages. Yeah. And yeah. Was that a charcoal grill you were cooking on? Uh, propane grill. Oh, I, it was propane. You know, and that okay. was just not knowing how it was going to be, you yeah. know, and, and how. And you know, I, I think uh, if, set up. if really, if you could better get with the rest of the guys <clears throat> that are going on the trip next year and be like, hey, look, like, we only need two grills. So, like, so and so bring grill, so and so bring grill. We can kind of meal share, right? We're going to bring, we're obviously going to catch fish. And, you know, like I brought the venison, you guys brought the pork chops. So if you're doing the five, if you're doing the five night, you know, somebody brings something for one night, somebody brings something for another night. You know, then that's everybody's a, not having to pack so heavy. That's a great idea. And you're right. Cause like I brought, I brought some, like a frying pan and some oil and stuff, not knowing that, you know, like. I think maybe Gene had brought the... Everybody, we had duplicates of everything. Well, yeah, yeah, so anyways, you're right. A little bit of uh, coordination on that would probably uh, um, save people some yeah, packing well, it's, and, it's, and, and, and make it more efficient. Yeah. So when I did it the first year, you know, I brought enough stuff for more than just me. And uh, everybody's cooking and, you know, you ask, hey, do you want some of this? No, I'm going to eat. I got, I got it. I, you know, I'm eating my you know, hot water and... <laughs> my my uh, dried food in a bag, <laughs> you know. But that was typically everybody was self-sustaining. Um, but I, I'd, I'd go for more of the the fresh stuff. And I did like on Thursday. I was, you know, cooking the rice and you know hash browns and sausage, and it just goes in a refrigerator and stays in the cooler and. I was surprised at one point uh, Henry pulled out a bottle of wine and he had cheese and uh, yeah. did have cheese. <laughs> did you see my cheese? It was. No, I'm just, I'm just see, kidding. Haven't, <clears throat> again, going back to scouting, but we're also not bringing coolers of beer. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've run that trip with a bunch of people out of two. You saw those, those Homer buckets with the gamma lids um, where we ran it out of two maybe three of those buckets but i mean we're talking like 12 people but breakfast every day was either grits or um oatmeal oatmeal with some hydrated fruit in it and then lunch was tortillas with either peanut butter and jelly or tortillas with um chicken and and maybe some mayonnaise and then for dinner it was all reconstituted stuff like you do macaroni and cheese and then throw some sausage in it like a summer sausage or something or one of the best meals we did was you take a stovetop stuffing, take it out of the box, just you know, break it down into a bag, right? Gotcha. Right? Um, some of that pouched chicken that's already cooked, dehydrated cranberries, and then the powdered gravy. And you get all that running single pot cooking, so you're feeding kids stuffing chicken or turkey if you can find it, cranberries and gravy. Man, they're all sitting around, a little food coma when you're over. But along with the narrative in this thing is that if we did coordinate and if we could agree a little bit more on what we wanted to cook, we probably could have gone with two less stoves 
You know, but if you have one big Coleman stove and then a handful of the pocket rocket type things to heat up, you know, a little bowl of water or something yeah. like that, we we could cut our gear even with a whole bunch of guys by hundreds of pounds. And the cool thing about that is, as you all know, is it's all well and good when it's in the canoe, but when you pull into camp <laughs> and you to haul that stuff up the beach or up a steep ramp, it sucks. And then when you're taking three trips to go load your canoe where, I don't know, man, one bucket, one bag, done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, like, the first time I, I, I went back and I gave the feedback, I said, man, the people are acting like that uh, they didn't just come from a city. Like, there was nothing else out there to put in their bag. It was just these dried, you know, <laughs> stuff that you would Eating never like, eat. You yeah. don't, you're, you're never going to eat it. But I'm going to eat it on this trip. Because, Eating like that gum astronauts. And I'm going, something. what are we doing here? I mean, I think the, last year I brought, you know, I had a piece of salmon um, that was frozen. I had taken out and it, it got thawed out during the day and we pan seared it and, and ate some salmon. I, I don't, you know, I don't need to eat, I need to eat so, chicken in a can. Henry, but, did, you, did you notice the name of the organization that sponsored the event? I understand. Back country. I understand. I know. Not, not was, city slickers on the river. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, that was... That was one thing you had said on Saturday. We were paddling. You're like, everybody loves backcountry hunters and anglers until it comes to doing the backcountry shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually a little bit more of a tweak on also some of the <clears throat> lack of advocacy that's kind of going yeah. on right now that needs to be adjusted. But, you know, volunteer It is true, though. I mean, you know, there, there's quite a few people on the page. and um, We all shopped at the same location. Yeah. You guys just decided to go to the dried fruit, and I just went to yeah. the fresh food. I don't know what the difference is. Listen, I went to the freezer. <laughs> you know, it's all the same. Oh, yeah. That's my first experience with Mountain House, uh, and I got to tell you that that Mountain House curry, chicken curry, dude, I, I, Listen, I'd pony like, up to that like anytime. That we, was fantastic. We talked, to, we talked to Will about it last night, and uh, I am not against eating ramen noodles five nights in a row. Yeah, you're, you know, I mean, like Henry had that jet boil. You could easily jet boil water just like that. Yeah. Pour it in your ramen noodles. You, know, you could come home with your blood pressure at 180 over 110. Yeah, I also so I only sodium. weigh 110. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I came home and, and I was putting away a lot of the gear and stuff. And then I saw we had like a box of ramen that we haven't touched in like years. And I thought, man. Why didn't I think of taking yeah. this? That Man, you could cook and... you could cook a thing of ramen in five minutes for lunch yeah. on the side, on the riverbank. You do that in like a little can where you can open with the tab of yeah. like canned chicken or something. Yep. Just throw that in there with ramen. Man, Done. that's a good meal. Tell <laughs> Lightweight. I lost nine pounds on that trip. Now for me to lose nine pounds, that's like Henry losing two. Or this kid over here losing six ounces, but yeah, yeah, man, you thin out on that trip pretty quick. Yeah, I think last year my wife said, "Wow, you looks like you look like you've thinned out a little bit." <laughs> what did they starve you? Well, yeah. man, it, you, it's a lot of work. I, I'll tell you, uh, I can remember. Uh, I think Sunday morning, so I slept like a rock Saturday. I think I woke up twice. Yeah. And uh, when I sat in that kayak and I turned to the right because of the trolling motor to reach the handle. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was I was in pain but there yeah I, I, I agree with everybody it was a little bit of reflection on Monday outside of having some domestic crises that I was managing so it was like it was not like a, a reflection that I but you, you tend to have like over time you'll, you'll think back to it and uh, go like man I sure would rather be there so we've touched on it but 
specifically, let's go on the table. Name something that you brought that isn't going next time. Something that I brought that I'm not bringing next time, full-size fishing pole. All right. How about you, Henry? What are you not bringing? You know, I, I didn't have a ton, so I'm like a bag man. I love bags. Like, so I had a couple more garbage bags than I needed, and I knew that others would bring it. Um, I really didn't have like one item that I didn't use outside of my uh, umbrella for my chair, like a sunshade. Um, because damn too windy. That was the only thing that I truly did not use. Um, I probably had, should have drank more water. So I brought a little bit of water back. Um, never enough beer, but nothing that I, oh, I brought chicken gizzard and chicken livers and catfish bait that did not go on a hook. And I left it, don't do this, left it in the, cooler thinking it was okay <laughs> holy smokes man i had to totally disinfect that yeti bleach the cooler wow but nothing like i mean there's a there was a change of clothes that i didn't you know there's a Use. you know a sh- shorts and shirts that i didn't wear but that's all that, that, that's not really impacting no you know the towels that i brought you know were were huge because that's even though you have sunscreen on it's still man there's sunscreen but you wet the towels and you put them on your leg when you're all exposed and the dry ones were my pillows so i didn't, I didn't have anything you brought pillows no no i'm just saying that the, the the pillows i had were my pillows yeah i had a uh had an air pillow yeah you know now thinking about it so everything i brought was something that i would use or I used, but maybe either had too much of, or I didn't use because other people in the group kind of had it. Um, like I brought a frying pan, a cast iron frying pan and a backpack and a bag, and I didn't need it because we all fried fish together. Um, I brought a lot of water. I mean, we drank water, but I brought too much of it. Um, I don't know though. Cause I, like <clears throat> you guys froze your water bottles and, and essentially yep. used them as ice to, to cool down your beer. Yeah, but I went home with I went home with like almost twelve bottles of water. So I, twelve. <laughs> you probably didn't know that you could get you could get potable water at each one of the river camps, right? Right, and and so yeah. that was one of the things I learned a lot from these guys on this trip. I mean, I learned about uh, the life straw, I, the filter, the life straw. The life I think straw. that, yeah. and and then Tyler had this life straw bottle, um, but he said you got to work a little bit to get the water out. But um, uh, I think that, it was like a squirrel call. That that was yeah, sound like a like some kind of exotic animal flying around us. Um, but that will that life straw and the bottle will save you from having to pack a whole bunch of water. Yeah, that's heavy and dunk in the river. And yeah, um, I wish Tyler was here talking about that bottle because the first day he's sitting there drinking out of the bottle. Everybody. And he didn't realize that the straw had come undone from the top. Yeah, I know. So he spent the first day sucking pure river water, man. He didn't get sick, though. So man, that that's not to the Swanee. Yeah. That river's yeah. so clean, though, man. I mean, I mean it, it just looks dirty. Oh, yeah. my It just God. looks dirty. Of course, I haven't seen him since, man. He may be home right now screaming, yeah. <laughs> well, That's what I did. I had all frozen water bottles. I mean, I had a couple, two liters, uh, but all that stuff was, was frozen. I mean, that's really your limiting factor in... Whether you're on a, if you want stuff to stay cold, is is ice. Just as in a hurricane, yeah. 
if you don't have a generator. It's like how long can your ice last? I will tell you guys this. So people compare brands and this and that, whatever. So Mike had bought a Magellan cooler. And, um, you know, we looked at the Yetis and stuff for the trip. And Mike said, you know, I'm going to get I'm going to get the cooler. So the cooler was like, I don't know, 200 bucks or so. Don't take that thing back, man. We, hook we, you up we, with looked it. At, we looked at the Yetis and they were like yeah. five hundred. Now, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're all great and all that. But, I mean, his, his cooler kept the ice. And, I mean, my, my cooler, I brought this old, you know, shit cooler. I don't know. I mean. So I asked him. I asked him. In a day, like, less than a day, it was water somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but it was an old beater, and I was like, you know, if this boat flips or something, I don't, you know, I'm gonna bring in a beater yeah. cooler or whatever. But uh, no, that that Magellan cooler um, kept the ice and and did a good job. And um, so, any of you guys, you know, looking to make a comparison or whatever out there? Oh, good. It's good to know. Yeah, I think the thing. I was already you, I was already what? pretty light. Yeah, like I didn't. Right. I don't have. To, I don't bring towels. I don't bring a lot of that stuff, but um, I did have. He drip dry. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, well, if you take a look at the at the clothes I was wearing, the reason I wore those clothes is I know that they dry out real fast. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I think one thing that I thought I was gonna regret not bringing was towels, and I ended up being fine without them. No. But so um, I still had at least one t-shirt too many. Cause you really only need two. You need a you need a sleep in t-shirt, or if if you are wet you and it's raining at night. You know, you want, well, that was the other thing. When it's cold, I brought long johns, and I'm glad I did that because by bringing long johns, I could bring that, you know, I've got my 40-degree bag that's only got, like, one filament of, you know, down lift in it. It's basically a nylon blanket. Yeah. But I was comfortable because I had, you know, my first light, props first light, by the way, first light long johns on, and they were great. Um, but that's also, like I said, it's my seventh trip. You kind of figure out what you need what you don't need. But along the ways of what I as I'm getting older and I'm also a little heavier than when I've run it before, the thing that I need to add or will, I've either got to figure out a better sleeping system or if I do take a luxury item next time, I'm taking a full size pillow. Uh, it took me a while to figure out how to get my bag configured so I could use my towels. waterproof bag. As towels, a, man. Yeah. Maybe it would be worth bringing a towel for that just because you get to use it as a pillow. So you, so you, you brought up, um, what we, thought we didn't need and then now you you were talking about what you would take on the next one and you're talking pillow not right so i was, I was thinking it. pillow I was, I, I was sleeping on a towel i rolled up a towel and and well the first night i thought let me lay on my on my backpack i thought you and mike slept together the first time no no yeah they Snow cuddled thought you spoonage they, yeah they were they, they actually there was some complaining the about the the, the, the coldness yeah and maybe that's what i'm going to do is next time i'm not going to bring it i'm not going to bring a pillow i'm just going to figure out where you guys are and use one of you guys as a pillow. <laughs> get it on the snuggle system yeah yeah i thought i actually heard something saturday morning about al yelling something and mike about get that thing out of his back or... <laughs> so, i did hear turkey early early uh fry uh Saturday morning. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys heard that. No, I didn't. It was way before the sun came up. I mean, it was still dark. I just heard turkey goblin, man. Man, I, I slept so hard Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> I know Saturday night, I was I was up and awake all throughout the night. Yeah. Those dang house dogs and then that rooster and oh, the yeah. traffic. Yeah. You know who else I knew slept like a brick that night? Do you remember the lady that got out of the first boat that pulled up to the ramp on Saturday evening when we pulled in and the boat came up and the 
the blonde lady with the skinny legs and the maybe had a little work done up top. Got out of the boat on Saturday. Pulled up. Did you not see how? Oh my! Wow, dude. I don't know how she was still vertical. She was hammered. Yeah, but she drove that boat out. Yeah, she drove the truck. (laughs) Drove the truck right up that ramp. She drove the truck out. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's like a broke back river. I think is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what I would bring. What I already—that was the first on the list, man—is uh, a um, a chair for that canoe. Oh yeah, I brought that. Um, yeah, well. man. One uh, with a cushion and the back. Hundred percent. I decided that I'm going to design, recreate. I'm pulling the chairs out of that canoe, and I'm recreating. I'm recreating something for next year because my tailbone hurts so bad. Yep. That was my luxury item this year. Is I brought you guys noticed that full size folding chair. Yeah, that and that good. that changes how you're in camp because if you're sitting in the canoe all day, and then you're sitting on those picnic table benches all day all night. Yeah. Whereas if you get into that nice you know folding chair, you're like, ah, yeah. totally different experience. Yeah, I thought about. I had my my uh, above average hammock. Um, not not, not the th- banana hammock. No, oh. no, not that one. Um, you know, there, but I just decided not to take it. But if I'd have known that I could have hung it in the in the cabins, I would have I'd have brought it. That would have been that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. If everybody so, brings hammocks, somebody better bring some extra hooks because I don't think there's that many hooks in each one of those cabins. Yeah, dude, you would be surprised. Yeah, mine had a ton. Yeah. Oh, mine yeah? there was like fifteen hooks. <laughs> cool. So I wanna hear some of you guys what was your best memories? from this like trip well i could just go i'll just go right off the top um so on saturday night i think we hear it you know we're all tired we all had our last little bit of beer and the story goes uh you know kind of round table kind of like we're doing now what was your you know <laughs> it was brought up uh what's the manly manly movie that you watched that <laughs> that, that makes you cry. Wait, that was no, that was at the. Uh, that, the was that was Saturday. Saturday. That was Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, man, he brought that out, and I just uh, Jim couldn't. He goes, man, I, I don't know, I don't know. And I, I just, uh, I said, man, when when Maverick lost Goose <laughs> <laughs> down off the coast of San Diego, man, that was that was really tough. Really tough. It won't translate that, on this podcast, but the way you delivered it and when you delivered it, man, yeah. it was money. Oh my gosh! I I, I laugh out loud. By what myself. was the other one? Terminator Two. Yeah. <laughs> when, they, when they dropped the big guy down into the flaming hot. We lava. lost the big guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that was uh, that was that was the one thing that I really enjoyed. Yeah, for me, uh, definitely, uh, just like I said before, being uh, being out on the canoe, on the water, in nature, you know, just the the peace of it, and then also the camaraderie, you know, when we camped out at night, just talking and and having a few drinks and eating and stuff, that was the best part. So um, that was it for me. My best memory from the BHA trips. I forget if it was the, I think it was the first year um, from this most recent trip. All right. Well, I was gonna. Have, I got a funnier story, but we'll, the, we'll hear that one later. But. All right. Well, another time, another podcast. So, on this one again, this the I liked when we all kind of got together and we created that flotilla, and 
you know, we ask, oh, we ask the local who lives there, like, hey, how much farther is the bridge? Oh, where are you floating in the river? 30, 35 minutes. 40 minutes later, we pull up on somebody else. How much further, how much further is the river? I don't know, 30, 35 minutes. Another half an hour later, how much? You're pulling out the phones like, we're still two and a half miles away. You know what I'm saying? Well, but, what we found out is people who live along the Swanee don't know, uh, they're not good judges of time or distance, you know. No, because yeah. they, don't, they don't run it out of Especially canoe. on a Saturday afternoon yeah. when uh, you can tell that he's been floating in the water so long that literally just from like his armpits up is sunburned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, pulling it all together, swapping the beers, you know, I can't remember the, the jokes and, and somehow we managed to float close enough that with three or four of us all pulled together. We were still doing some fishing, not doing a whole lot of catching, but yeah. we, had, we had good fishing. And then Tyler telling his story about, oh my gosh, that you know, boat. His, his boat, man, where they got the free boat and almost went to prison. <laughs> Derelict boat, yeah. Yeah, man, we should have him in just to tell about that story. But, I know. Uh, that was it. The, when we all kind of came together and we were all able to just, yeah, you know, really yeah. get to be friends. You know. Yeah. And, and related to all this, what I found was we were, we were talking about like the suck and all that before and, and whatever. And I, I know when I was in the Marine Corps, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Yeah. We're still talking, we're still, we're still talking, <laughs> we're still about, talking about canoeing. We're still talking yeah. about canoeing. Um, uh, you know what I noticed when, when I was in the Marine Corps and we did deployments, you know, sometimes a portion of our unit would go on deployment and, um, you know, our unit would be pretty close and stuff, but the guys that always went on deployments, they always kind of came back closer because they went through something or suffered through something and, and, you know, had to, you know, camp out or whatever they were doing. And you'd come back and kind of be reunited with your unit. And for a, probably a good couple of days or weeks, those guys that went on that deployment were always really kind of tight. And, and so that's, what, I think what, a, what trips like this do for people is, uh, man, it just brings you closer. It, it, I don't know. You know, that's why we just, do. Yeah, yeah. I I would have to agree with Jim and say I, I think my most memorable moment would be when like I didn't realize you know we left uh, Lafayette Blue and we get paddled a little ways and Jim's like hey come here so he pulls over to me and ties me up and next thing you know Tyler we still talking about a podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he ties my canoe to his and. <laughs> And the next thing you know, Tyler's uh, tying his canoe up. And the next thing you know, Al and Mike are tying their canoe up. And then we got uh, Gene and Henry tying up to us. And just getting everybody floating together like that. That was pretty it, fun. It was great. And well, then, we, we talked about building a raft. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to actually float that whole thing. We're just building a big old raft. I mean, but can you imagine some of, some of the parts in that river where if we had, I don't know, a 20 by 20 raft with a bunch of heathens on there and lawn chairs. And then that lady comes by with that barge and drifts us. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, Steve was talking about the, the slingshot, yeah. right? We had <laughs> like, talked about, yeah. We talked about waging that. war down the river. We talked about like putting potato guns on it. And, yeah. <laughs> Instantly weaponized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what, would it really even be like, you know, an under pressure outdoors raft if we didn't weaponize it? Oh, that'd be great. I'm all for it. It's just, you know, you need making it. You got to build it, then disassemble it, and then figure out how to get it up there on a trailer and reassemble it. Yeah. But that's the easy part. Be some long days on that 14 mile thing, especially if the wind's against you. Ooh. 
But it wasn't a, a one. It wasn't a one moment. But last year I rode with you, Jim, which was great. So I missed your stories because I heard you telling some, not the same stories, because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I could hear you, you know, telling good stories. But doing it by myself, so I don't know really how to say this. this is gonna seem weird, but I kind of like hanging out by myself. I'm, I'm kind of like a fun guy. Yeah. So yeah. when I, you know, to be able to float and just uh, there's like I said, there was times, particularly in the mornings. Like Saturday morning, because uh, we didn't get on the water to about nine forty on, on Friday, but being by yourself, nobody in front, nobody behind, a little bit of steam coming off, and you're just floating, you know. What you uh, can't tell is Henry now has a tear. Yeah, yeah. his cheek. <laughs> Damn it! But it is. Uh, I mean, it, it that that's the kind of stuff, and just like that R and R of um, yeah, that was nice. You know, there there were points on Friday where like. You guys were way ahead, and then Jim and Steve were way behind, and me and Tyler were just kind of floating in the middle somewhere. And there was a point where I had stopped fishing, and I just kind of scooted back on my seat, and then the back of my canoe was just close enough to where I could kind of lean back and lay my head on it, and it was comfortable. I don't know how long I was asleep, but I woke up, and I was floating sideways, and look up, and Tyler's doing the same exact thing. Me and him had just... I don't know how far we floated, but just straight passed out floating down the river in the canoes. Yeah, we, we watched you doing that when we were fishing, and uh, you guys look really comfortable. Yeah. So I wonder I wonder how much distance you could cover just letting the river take you. I mean, uh, not, not very about far. As much as, uh, about as much as we did on Saturday. Not as not very good <laughs> when the wind's blowing. I mean, it was, <laughs> and that was blowing, but it was white capping. That was only the one. It's unfortunate that it happened where the river widened out and slowed down on the on the longest day of the trip, because to be fair, most of the time the wind was to our back, because it was in unusual. that fourteen mile day. I don't think Steve and I paddled in the first seven or eight miles. I don't think we paddled a mile of it. We drifted the whole time just fishing. Yeah, right. So. But that, I think the river was running a little faster this year than most of the time. But that, that's another beautiful thing about this trip, if anybody's listening and we're making it sound really hard, is you don't have to be some great oarsman or, or waterman or waterwoman. That river's going to get you there. If you start out early and you're okay and you don't get sunburned and you got enough water, you're going to get there. You don't really have to expend energy at all, any, 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 any energy at all if yeah. you don't want to, unless the wind is really blowing. Yeah, I so my kayak was more you know for flats, yeah. where you guys were. I had the trolling motor on thirty pound thrust on two or three with Jim and Steve, and I could barely keep up with them. Well, that's because we're such expert paddlers. Yeah, <laughs> and, and in such great shape, which yeah. is you know I, that was the whole reason I, I I and I just by the time we pulled up to that uh, the end, I was I was on fumes, absolutely fumes. Till you refueled. You know, yeah. I, was, I was thinking for Recharged. anyone who uh, who's listening, um, I mean, fishing-wise, uh, the artificial stuff just didn't work. I think I think if you're going to go out there and you've never been out there, bring the live bait. That's, that's the that's typical, work. tip of the tip of the week. Yeah, I was I was going to say we're actually you're ahead of we're schedule. Actually, we're actually winding down to the end of it. So at the end of every episode, we do a tip of the week. So Henry, you want to start us out with a tip of the week because I don't have one. Uh, related to anything, anything, man. Life advice, hunting, fishing. Oh, um, kayaking. Man, I, I tell you what, uh, wear sunscreen. You know, because uh, melanoma is pretty much undefeated. So, 
you know, wear your sunscreen. It's that time of year, and it's uh, it's no joke. I've got a, a good buddy who grew up in Panama surfing, and uh, he used to tell stories of hunting monkeys and doing stuff. His dad worked on the Panama Canal, and they've got these big reunions that they do in Orlando every year. But my man has got, every other year, big chunks of him taken out from uh, skin cancer. Mm. And uh, for people who hang out outdoors, man, uh, with, you know, long sleeves, it's, uh, it is no joke. Yeah, you know, I, I work construction, so a lot of my new guys that I get coming in on my crews and stuff, they're like, they come in wearing short sleeves, and they're like, how are you wearing long sleeves? I'm like, trust me, bro. When you, uh, like, I've been in it long enough to talk to these guys that have been in it for a way longer than I've had, and they're like, man, wear long sleeves, because when you turn 50 or 40, you don't want to start getting chunks cut out of your skin. Yeah, wearing those thin gaiters on your neck, and you know, I, I was wearing that in the end of the, I could just feel it, you know, covering my cheeks and all that stuff. But uh, that was one of the great lines in Deadpool Two, where he goes, "I don't know about this cable guy, but I'm sure he's not killed as many people as melanoma." <laughs> you know, yeah. which I think is just classic. Yeah, that's my tip of the week. <clears throat> I all guess right. mine would be. Um, Keep it clean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't over... I, when when Jim sent out the notice of this trip, I was thinking of all kinds of reasons why I probably couldn't do it. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm, 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 forget all that stuff. Clear my mind. I'm doing it regardless whether I'm prepared or not. You know, there was all kinds of things running in my mind. Do I got, I got, do I got all the right stuff? What was everyone else bringing? What, you know what? I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm... I'm, I'm saying yes, I'm going, I'm doing it. And, um, so that was, that's the one thing is, is just don't, don't overthink things when you want to go outdoors and do stuff. And, you know, um, and then the other thing is, uh, just enjoy the outdoors. I mean, step outside, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm, when I'm at work and I just go outside the door and just look at the trees, look at the sky, look at, you know, and, and get, get out of that that routine of uh work and your everyday life and just decompress a little bit there's all kinds of stuff around you that you really can enjoy and i think people don't take advantage of that stuff you know so yeah, everybody wants to be a bha guy until it's time to do bha shit yeah you know, <laughs> go do it you know that art yeah you're gonna i really survive. agree with I, I i've done a lot of stuff you know with Will or my family or yeah, you know, people that I grew up with. But this past, what it's been, four days. Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? No, uh, <laughs> Thursday. Um, you know, this past, I want to say year that we've been doing this. Just the trips that I've been able to go on and the people that I've been able to meet has been amazing. And and had a had I not just said, you know what, screw it, and taken the time to do that stuff, I never would have. I mean, it's crazy that just the relationships that have been built through escaping, essentially. It's great. Challenging yourself. Yeah. You guys kind of stole a little bit about my thunder about my tip of the week was going to be go out and challenge yourself, but we kind of covered that. So I'm, I'm going to stay in that lane and and say that while you're out there, 
That's part of the reason why I asked the question about what, 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 what don't you want to take or what don't you need? I challenge yourself that as you're going to continue to pare down your gear, um, there's always this feeling like, oh, if I don't have that, I'm going to be uncomfortable. But I think that you'll find that once you get your gear pared down to what your more necessities are, you actually increase your comfort because you're dealing with less stuff. You're having to carry less stuff. It's not in the way in the boat or in a backpack. And by having to, especially if you ever do backpacking, for those of you who listen to this, that if you ever want to go out west and chase antelope, less is definitely more. Um, because you just, 25 pound backpack's not that heavy. It's not if you're just walking around, but if you're carrying a rifle and you're carrying water, that's a ton of weight, man. You want to get that thing down to like under 10 pounds for your, right. you know, even if you got to spend one night out there, the lighter, the better. And your, your body will hold up. Same thing with the canoe trip. I mean, yeah, you can really load it down. You can be, you can have more luxury, but it's still just more crap. And you got to put it in the car and you got to put it in the, yeah, yeah man, I'd, I'd say less is more and work on that. And I think you'll have. I think that there's a, I don't know, proportional, your enjoyment increases as your gear goes down to a point when there's yeah. some diminishing returns. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, uh, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit how we were uh, enjoying our refreshments throughout the uh, trip. But, you know, especially if you're taking out, really, if you're ta- if you're going to take out your motorized boat, be safe, man. Don't know, know that if you're driving that you shouldn't, you know, if you're going to drink one or two, no more than that. Don't, don't go out and think that you can have this, you know, great day at the Island or, you know, wherever you're taking your boat and you can get hammered and then drive your boat back home. Cause that's never safe, man. Yeah. Or, or you might think that you could, it'd be a good day to go jump off the, uh, Route 51 bridge into the Swanee River when it's at record lows. I still would have done it. I'm so glad that kid didn't take that jump. Oh, my gosh. That almost, that kid said, I was like, man, he's going to be all right. And then, you know, through the echo right here, if I do a cannonball, I'll be all right. I'm like, oh. No, you won't. My God. (laughs) Hit the water from 40 feet up. This kid's jumping from like 40 feet, man. Yeah. He's going to break something trying to do a cannonball. But man, just watch yourself. Don't don't ever don't ever drink. So don't be afraid. You know, if you drove your boat there and you drink enough to where you're like, man, I probably shouldn't drive back. Don't be afraid to go. Hey, bro, man, you haven't been drinking. You mind driving the boat? Yeah, be responsible. Yeah, that's true with all things in life, though. Yeah, especially that boat ramp down there and uh, where we were at. That thing was like a tunnel. Oh, yeah. Long, Watch long out for boat ramp idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I guess I don't know. Um, when I was a Central Florida chairman, I planned a lot of the stuff for BHA, and the my BHA duties are done. I don't know what else they're, they're going to have going on, but uh, I definitely think that for those of you that listen to this podcast that want to do more outdoor stuff, uh, we still encourage you to very much – Look into the Florida chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Hopefully they'll continue the tradition. But I think that if you pay attention to uh, our podcast and our upcoming, our, our, our burgeoning website that is not yeah. yet built out, but I think uh, we're going to probably have a lot more events like this up and running, perhaps some Western hunts and uh, maybe a little bit more high adventure stuff. You can't probably can't yeah. come to all of it. Heck, I probably can't go to all of it. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, there, we're all there about will getting be, out uh, there and getting it done. There'll be a link to our Facebook and uh, what Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website and Facebook in the podcast description. So if you pay attention to that, you can click on there. You can get to both of those and just keep an eye out for more events like this. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, and if you're listening to this podcast and you are not a member of some sort of outdoor conservation, whether it be Quail Unlimited, Pheasants Forever. I'm sorry, I said Quail Unlimited. Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Yeah, Wild, National Wildlife Turkey Federation. You know, I'd encourage you to grab a membership and then uh, maybe throw a little extra in there because the membership gives you the numbers. But, um, you know, hunters and fishermen really are doing the overwhelming amount of the lifting in the conservation area. And we already do it through our tags and the gear we buy and the taxes we pay but that little extra that goes to those private organizations um has arguably resurrected wildlife in in, in a lot of the fishing in north america so do your part it's only a couple of bucks and uh you know what is it you're talking about giving up a six pack a year come on yeah come on well henry al it's been great having you guys tonight and uh enjoyed it yeah yeah thanks for having us no problem pleasure have you back soon